So Germany, um, as you know, brother, it's so small that it can fit in the size of Texas. But there's over 84 million people in Germany. And right now there's over 70,000 servicemen, women, DOD civilians, contractors, and their families in Germany. And right where we're going, Lonstil, right where Brother Wilson's at, um, they're at Ryland Baptist Church. That area right there, they call it Little America. And why they call it Little America is because of that 70,000, there's 50,000 right there. And so there's a mission field right there to go and reach. As you know, in military missions, there's a constant rotation with military missions. Roughly about every one to three years, there's a rotation. Usually there's twice a year that it hits. And uh, right now, Ryland's going through that rotation right now on, or on the tail end of it. But So it's a constant replant. You're constantly going out and trying to bring new families in and, and uh, reach the lost and bring them in. So... Um, a big field there. Um, you went and sat down. You've got to come back up. So I was raised Catholic. Um, for a short time there, I was talking with one of the sisters earlier about, um, or uh, somebody about Pascagoula, Mississippi. It was you, brother. Sorry. Um, I lived in Mississippi. I was mostly raised in Ohio, so don't hold that against me. Okay. Um, but I lived in Mississippi for a short time, and I believe that was the first time that a Baptist church sent a bus and picked me up and took me to the church. And I believe that was the first time that I had ever heard the gospel. Well, for, fast forward a few years later, um, right before I joined the military, I started really questioning a lot of things. Of course, my number one question that I had was, why do I have to go to a priest to confess my sins? Why can't I go to God himself? And a bunch of other questions there, too. But um, many times the gospel was shared with me. Linnell shared the gospel with me. And and I just kept putting it off and putting it off. But we were on our way to uh, Fort Gordon, Georgia. And Linnell was having a bunch of medical workups. And we made a pit stop in Macon, Georgia. And we visited some friends of ours. And they invited us to church. The gospel was given. I was white-knuckled holding onto that pew. But I let go of the pew and I made the step out right before that. Linnell and Mrs. Wiggs went went down to the altar and I later heard their conversation. But she had shared with Mrs. Wiggs that I was not saved. And right after she said that, Mrs. Wiggs looked up and she said, look, and I was coming down to the altar. When I got down to the altar, the, the assistant pastor grabbed me and he said, can I help you? I said, yes, you can. I need to know him. He said, come with me. We went back to his office And he shared the gospel with me. The Romans rode with me. He said, would you like to be saved? I said, of course I do. He said, we're going to kneel down next to this couch. And I'm going to lead you through what we call the sinner's prayer. He didn't have to lead me. I just started praying. Started weeping. It was June 14, 1998 that I accepted the Lord as my Savior. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were always in church. And always took us to church. I was also privileged to be part of a military family. My dad was in basic training in Texas when I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. So I've always been raised in church, and every base we went to, my parents always found a church to serve in. And so at the tender age of six, the Lord began to touch my heart. And, you know, I could tell you all the stories. I could tell you all the Bible stories. I could tell you the answers. But until the age of six, I didn't realize that those weren't just stories. 
that they were actual truths and they were, they were about me. And I was the one going to hell. And so at the age of six at Calvary Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And then two years later at the age of eight, I committed my life to God. I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. I don't know what it is, but I will do it. So my parents put me in Christian schools my whole, uh, my whole um, I guess, school career. And I graduated in, uh, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in uh, Dayton, Ohio. And um, graduated high school and then left and went back to Jacksonville to Trinity Baptist College and went one year to Trinity. And then I dropped out. And I was at a, a point in my life where I was um, going the wrong direction. And so instead of, of continuing Bible college, I, in 1997, I joined the United States Air Force and decided that that was the path I wanted to choose instead. And the Lord started really talking to me about it during that time. Um, in the year um, 1997, I went in the military in July, met him in September, and we got married in December. So a lot happened in that year, but I was still going the wrong direction. Like he said, I witnessed to him, but I did it to make myself feel better. I made it to be like, see, I, got, I can do both things. I don't have to do just one. And it was the wrong direction, the wrong thing to do. And the Lord kept talking to me, and I kept rejecting and saying, I'm fine. And so because we got married right outside of tech school, um, we were both mechanics. And uh, he went to uh, Eglin Air Force Base, Florida, and I went to Charleston, South Carolina, working on C-17s. And so I was, um, as you said, I was at Fort Gordon. The military had um, said I had panic attacks. I was having panic attacks. For whatever reason, they, that's what they had deemed it was. And so I was going to visit him from South Carolina to Eglin one, uh, one morning, early one morning, and I had a seizure. And that's when they found out that they were actual complex seizures instead of panic attacks. And so um, because of that accident, I hit a tree sideways, and the door of the car caved in and hit me in the side of the head, which cracked up my skull and exposed my brain on this side. And I hit the side of the car, and I got a brain bleed on this side. Um, needless to say, it wasn't pretty. Um, but um, they took me to Chipley, Florida, which is where I was at when I had the car accident, and then Chipley sent me directly to Dothan, Alabama, because they could not take care of me there. Um, and they stabilized me in Dothan, and several weeks later I went to Eglin. They sent me to Eglin Air Force Base where he was. And that's where my brain fully woke up, and that's where I first started, like, okay, where am I? And so they estimate from what my dad and my parents can tell them and what he can tell me and I can tell them, I lost about two years' memory, completely gone. That was my military career. That was my marriage. That was everything two years back. That was my rebellion. That was the time of my rebellion. I couldn't remember anything that I was doing at that time. I couldn't remember my job. I couldn't remember my rebellion. All I knew was that I was supposed to be in church, and that's where I ended. It ended up being in my mind, where I went back two years, and I was like, no, I'm serving God. And I was like, no, you're not. And so the Lord blessed, because when I woke up, I would, like I told you, I woke up at, Egg, at Eglin Air Force Base, Florida. And the people that walked through that door were from Calvary Baptist Church, the church I was saved in. And I knew every one of them by name including the person who led me to the Lord. I said, hi, Mrs. Clark, how are you doing? Him? Didn't like him. Didn't remember him. Wanted nothing to do with him. But the people at church I knew, I loved, and I trusted. And the Lord allowed me to wake up there and knew that that's what we needed. And we were able to literally start over, start a new relationship with the right kind of love in the right kind of place, serving God. So... I got saved in June of 98. Her car accident was in, in August of 98. That was a true test of my faith, my faith in him. But through much prayer, much counsel, we were able to get through that. Um, we also got involved. Her grandmother found a brain injury support group 
as well for us. But as she said, we were able to grow together, both as Christians together. And so that was a new beginning for both of us. Long before we're born, the Lord has a plan for our lives. Now, my plan was to, to join the military, get my education, get out. But the Lord had other plans. And uh, he kept saying, not right now. Not right now. But all the experiences that we've had, the many military families that we've been able to minister to, but to be able to take those experiences and be able to go over to Germany and continue to be around that lifestyle and continue to minister to those families. Yes, our focus is to the U.S. military over there, but as we're going out, uh, door knocking and stuff, we may knock on a German's door. And so we have to learn the language and be able to minister to them as well. So pray about that. We were at a church, and uh, a preacher got up to preach, and he said, is this bottle for mine? And and it was a little one like this. He's like, I guess this is about how much time I have to preach then. (laughs) So um, (laughs) we're going to take a look at um, Mark 16, 15. Um, Pastor just asked me to bring a a quick um, missions charge. Those of you that have been in the military, how many military folks we have in here? uh, Thank you. Thank you for your service. Um, Those of you that may have, what I'm going to discuss is going to kind of, what you've maybe experienced in your military career, um, and I'm going to tie it to, what God has given us in the scriptures. And so we're going to take a look at Mark 16:15 this evening real quick. Um, I know Pastor wanted to leave enough time for some questions and answers, I believe, right? And so we'll do that. And so this will be a, a quick, fast, and in a, in a hurry uh, little, little challenge here. Um, so Mark 16:15 says here, um, And he said unto them, Go... Ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you mentioned uh, this morning the brother brought about the Great Commission. Right there, it talks again about the Great Commission uh, to go and reach the lost with the gospel. Well, you asked me, what, brother, is the title, your, your message, or your challenge this evening? It's God's Op Order. God's Op Order. Op order stands, it's, it's O-P-O-R-D. It's short for, and of course the military has many acronyms and little phrases that help us remember things. But op order stands for operation order. And so that's what that stands for. So before we get into uh, this, this message, this challenge this evening, we're going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day, Lord. We thank you for the time that we're able to come in your house and meet here in the meeting house, Lord. And, and Lord, just ask you just have your will, Lord, in the services. Open our hearts, our minds to uh, your message here, Lord. Lord, just use me. Use me as a vessel, Lord, to convey your message, Lord. And Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in the military, we have many plans and a, and a, and a goal in which we're trying to reach. And so... In, that, in those plans, uh, sometimes we might be planning for a convoy or something, but there's a lot of details that go into planning for a convoy. 
vehicles, weapons, how many people are going, um, routes to our destination, and, and how we're going to get back, and all that stuff. We usually have a primary and an alternate route, because along the way, we might end up facing some kind of adversity. And so the military, we, we train for that and prepare for that. But if we're going on our primary route to that destination... We might have to deviate and take that alternate route to get to our destination. And we might have to do the same thing coming back to home base. So we have to prepare for that. Sometimes right before an op order, uh, we would have something called a WARNO. stands for warning order. Usually that's the, the senior leadership getting the next level leadership and, and briefing on a situation. Something that may have happened. But if time permit or doesn't permit, then we might not have that warning order and we might go right into what we call the operation order. The operation order always started with a time hack. So that way everybody was on the same time. If we're supposed to be at a mission or an objective at a certain time, we have to backwards plan for that. All our drills, everything that goes into that. Fueling vehicles, if we're taking vehicles, ammo, we got enough gear that we're going to take and we have, um, usually we'll have rock drills and stuff, uh, how we're going to get to that route. But there's a lot of planning that goes into that. So the phrase that they used, they gave us to help us remember the five parts of an operation order. It sounds funny, but I guarantee you you're going to remember it. The phrase was, Sergeant Major eats sugar cookies. It's funny, but... You'll remember each part of the the operation order. So there's five parts, and we would assign each individual, uh, five individuals, a part of that operation order. So the the sergeant is the 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 situation. So for an example, we have a down pilot, and so that part of the briefing was real easy to, to brief. You got up there, you said on this date, this time, this pilot went down in this location. The next part was the major. The major is the mission. The mission, that was even easier to brief. Because you got up there and you said, our mission is to go and rescue that pilot who was injured. The next part is our execution. The eats is our execution. That's the part where has everything that goes into that mission, all the planning, how we're going to go about that. That was the part that I did not like to brief because sometimes these operation orders would last from an hour, if not more. So I didn't like being up here that long. The next part is our sugar. The sugar is our service and support. Those are the people that may be going with us. Uh, like I said, we have an injured pilot. We may take some combat medics with us. Some other services, that um, maybe Marines, Army, that might be going with us, us Air Force. And then, I said earlier, we might face some kind of adversity. Who is out there that we can call upon, whether it be air or ground support, to come and help us? That, that's our support. The cookies is our command and control. Our command and control is everybody from the convoy commander or team leader, down to the lowest-ranking individual. I say lowest-ranking individual because in that briefing, like I said earlier, we might have other, other services with us. 
So, the same is true in life. We have God's op order right here. We have God's op order here. Right here in the Bible. So just like the military op order, God's op order deals with one, the situation. The situation is that we have a lost and dying world through those doors. We need to get out there and reach the lost with the gospel. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There are many people that are going to face the judgment. And there are many people that are dying every single day, dying without Christ. And there's some that are dying without any idea of their eternity. And there's some that are dying without hope. The second part, the mission. mission. The mission God has given us is simple, to reach the lost with Christ. God says it right here in Mark 16, 15. We are to all to go and tell others about the love of God and the sacrifice that God or Christ had made on the cross. Mark 16, 15 also tells us the execution. The execution is that two-letter word, go. To go. It means much more than just go, though. Our hearts need to be part of this execution. If our hearts are not part of this execution, we will get discouraged and quit. We may start out strong, but we will not last. This is not just a verse for pastors, church staff, church workers, or missionaries. It is, but it's for everyone who is a child of God. It is for uh, men, women, teenagers, boys, and girls. We are all to tell the lost about Christ, about what Christ did on the cross, and how they can have eternal life. Some areas that we can tell them at home, we have some lost relatives. Work, our co-workers, even though we don't get along with them, we still need to share the gospel with them. Young people, our classmates at school, in college, everywhere we go, we need to share the gospel. Whether it's at a restaurant, a grocery store, a gas station. How many times have you been on the other side of the pump and the Lord said, Hey, that person on the other side, hand them a trap. Invite them to church. Share the gospel with them. How, what, what, you ask, well, how, how, some, how can we tell them? I just mentioned one. Hand them a track. Well, Brother Dotson, I'm shy. It's not hard to just hand them a track and ask them to read it. Invite them to church. Share from the Bible how they can be saved. And then third, share your personal testimony. We were out in Fort Worth, Texas, out door knocking, and I had an opportunity. We started, uh, started witnessing to this gentleman and now, he didn't get saved that day, but found out that he was Catholic. And so I shared my testimony. I shared that with him. The fourth part. The fourth part is our service and support. Our service and support is our church family, our relatives. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We need to pray for, for each other and be an encouragement. When people ask for prayer about something, pray about it. 
Because many times that request is a burden on them. Burdens can cause us to not want to tell others about Christ. We get so focused on our own issues, we don't realize what else is going around, going on around us. I, I tell you of a story. Um, our, our, our twins, they were born 10 weeks early. They spent 40 days in the NICU. Bryce was 3 pounds, 10 ounces. Grace was 2 pounds, 15 ounces. They were so small. I could hold them in my hand. But we stayed at the Fisher house, kind of similar to the Ronald McDonald house. There's three other couples that were in that church or in that in that house. And as we got to know them, we realized that those three couples had little ones that were maybe a pound, if not more. Two of those couples lost their little ones. But had we not talked to them, we would have never known because we were so focused on the twins. But that was an opportunity there that Linnell and I were able to minister to those families. Sometimes we get discouraged, especially in prayer or soul winning. When we were out in Fort Worth, there was many people that were, that were discouraged because they didn't lead somebody to the Lord. They didn't get to talk to somebody. But we had to remind them that that was a seed that you planted and placed on their door. And you just pray that someone waters and comes and harvests that. We may be witnessing to somebody many times and they haven't received Christ as their Savior. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. We may be serving the Lord, but we're getting weary. Satan loves to attack people when they're weary or discouraged. We need to be there for each other and encourage each other in the Lord. If you see someone who is getting discouraged, pray for them. Encourage them. Even if it's just an encouraging word, or if you're like Rob, give them a hug. Or just let them know that you're praying for them. The fifth part, our command and control. Earlier I said, that top person is the command, or convoy commander or the team leader. But who is our commander? Who is our commander? Psalm 30, 31.3 For there are my rock and my fortress, therefore thy name's sake. Lead me and guide me. Again, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, thy namesake, lead me and guide me. God wants to lead and guide us in our path in life. When we allow him to lead and guide our lives, we still may face some kind of trials because Satan loves to attack. But God gives us peace and comfort to get through those situations. He also helps us to have the strength and the boldness to witness to others. Time is getting short. Time is getting very short. We don't know when he's coming back. Right here, Matthew twenty four thirty six. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He knows. We don't. That's why we need to get busy sharing the gospel. Everyone we can. Right here. Says it right here in Mark sixteen fifteen, To reach the lost. To share the gospel. 
to every creature. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep sharing. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this evening, Lord. We thank You for this time, Lord. We thank You for Your op order, Lord. Lord, just ask You to just help us to use it and apply it to our lives, Lord, as we continue to go and reach the lost for You, Lord. And Lord, if there is somebody in here that doesn't know You as their personal Savior, Lord, Lord, I ask You not to give them rest until they get that settled this evening, Lord. Thank You for this time, Lord. And thank You for Your Word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.